0: The Inveno Fab podcast brings meaningful conversations to our community of listeners. Part of this is sharing stories with and by our friends like Telesom who want to bring meaningful experiences to you. At Telesom, we're on a
1: mission to create meaningful work for sommeliers, meaningful connections for wine lovers, and to change the face of wine. For this season of In Fino Fab, we're honored to raise a glass with sommeliers who want to share their wine secrets and knowledge with
0: you. For this season of In Vino Fab, we're collaborating with Telesom to fill your cup and your ear with sommelier stories uncorking the wine tales. Welcome to another Telesom Pro Tip episode where we get questions answered by psalms. If you've not heard the psalm story of Kelly Cornett from in the Road, please go back into your feed and listen to that first. Tell us about a fun fact about wine that you know, or about wine, or do you have a a thing about wine you tell people that blows them away? I think
2: the one that comes up the most often in my classes is people ask me if price matters. Mm. I get that a lot. I think it's because there's a lot of perception that the higher price point equals higher value. I Would say that's something I often help people understand is that's not always true. There definitely are relationships between price point and quality of wine, but you can be shocked by a lower price point wine and the value. So it's really about the ratio more than just the brand name on the bottle for the price. I definitely think that's something that people feel is worthwhile learning in my classes that... You don't have to spend more to get good wine. There's really good wine at every price point. Would probably be my nugget that I pass along as
0: just wine wisdom. Yeah, you've Um, probably done a lot of wine buying as a wine general manager, and you also know about selling. So what could you tell people to look for in terms of like, I'm shopping for a bottle of Malbec. What do I want to really look at to distinguish uh, do I need to pay 7 or $72 for this bottle? And does that matter?
2: Well, it does matter in a lot of different ways. But I think as a general consumer walking into a wine shop, I would say that producer matters a ton. So learn your producers. But almost more of than that, shopping with the back of the label, if you start to learn importers that you like. So we're talking non-domestic. We're talking wines that you buy from France, from Italy, from Spain. If you find an importer where you have really enjoyed the wines that you've tasted from them, and you feel like you get value for the price point, that's going to be pretty consistent across the portfolio. So I often find smaller importers, or even if you're going to take it, take it the next step and be like, oh, okay, distributor portfolio that I like in Atlanta, we have a lot of small producers that are all about kind of you know farm to farm to glass type of people that are in their portfolio. And I try to support that because the wines have value to me. They might not be the most expensive and they might not be the cheapest, but they have value. And so for me, finding out the producer and the import and distributor, kind of that chain of supply is really
1: important when you're looking for value. So sometimes I go into the wine shop and I'll see like this wine has a rating of 92 or 94 or has a little card from the wine shop people saying like this is the one to get. Um, How much do I go by like those ratings? Like do they are they accurate? Should I trust them? Oh, that's a whole other podcast, my friends. That's a whole (laughs) other deal. (laughs) And you're going to get
2: a lot of opinions if you want to start a wine Twitter War post something about that. Go for that. Uh, Bring a lot of people. There's a lot of opinions. It's all personal to me. I think that anything that helps people start exploring new wines is helpful. So if they are people that buy by the points and it's something new and it drives them to something, cool. But I want to say that you always want to be open to not letting the point system drive your own personal opinion. If you take that wine home and you don't like it, make a mental note for yourself. But I do think that having that ability to just have something that lets you explore, I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't personally think that points always matter in the way that people traditionally think, but I think your own opinion definitely carries weight.
0: You're just showing the value of a wine sommelier uh, just in general, because it's wayfinding on a couple of these things you've said is importing, looking at distributors, Maybe points, but maybe it's not until you start digging into a certain type of wine or region even. Um, So that's really helpful. Are there any other tips in terms of buying that you might recommend people consider if they're going to drop some money at a wine shop? Or even you could tell them at a restaurant, which is much different.
2: Absolutely. So many ways to navigate the whole world of wine. But my favorite thing to tell people, and now we can actually go do this. So this is great make a friend at your local wine shop, not a big you know, chain store, but find a local shop near you and start letting them learn about what you're drinking. And that comes from both sides. You can tell them what you liked and why you liked it, but you can also tell them what you don't like and why you don't like it. I think it's just as valuable. But then the person at the local wine shop who knows their portfolio the best, will be able to help recommending new things for you based on the constant feedback that you bring. So friend of the local wine shop is the most valuable you can do. And then from there, it's recognizing for yourself trends and patterns of places that you're drinking wine from and what that resonates with you on your palate. So you can start using that vocabulary to ask for what you want. And it doesn't have to be a whole novel or dissertation about what you're drinking, but a few key terms at the wine shop and price point can go a really long way in starting to buy and drink what you like the most.
1: All right. So one more, one more follow-up question. Uh, you mentioned noting when you find something you like, looking for trends, building your terminology. Do you have a favorite app or a journal? Or you know how, how do you recommend people keep track of those things? Well, this is going to be
2: giving away a giant
1: nerd secret.
2: Okay. So when I was living in Virginia and I was traveling to all the wine tasting rooms and I was going around because I felt like I needed to know my neighbors. I had a giant, no joke, three ring binder and I kept all of my notes in there. It was my encyclopedia of my own opinions. And I encourage people, you don't have to, you don't have to have your own three ring binder, but If you can articulate for yourself somewhere, someplace in your house, a notes app on your phone, whatever you want to do, if you start even noting just a few key characteristics of the wine that you're drinking, and if you liked it or not, you will start to see an encyclopedia, a database that you're building for your own preferences. That's the most valuable thing that you can carry with you. Uh, If you take pictures of labels that you like, I have a ton of label pictures on my phone. That's how I remember. Again, I'm super visual. So it's like, did I like that wine? Do I want to buy it again? Start doing that. I think that's the really great way to remember what you're drinking and what you're tasting.
0: I like that. I have a couple of Flickr albums of wine labels for that reason. Yeah, this is great. Um, All great tips is get to know your price point of wines and industry. So thank you for that nugget of wine knowledge, Kelly. We appreciate it. All right, let's do rapid fire. Yeah, like, I'm like how-
2: rapid fire. Oh no! Oh gosh, I can't think <laughs> fast enough. Hold on.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's fun rapid fire. So it's fun rapid okay. fire. Oh gosh, um, I have
2: to be opinionated. Okay, I'm ready. Yes, you have to have an opinion. <laughs> Just personal it's,
0: opinions. A personal opinion, and no one's going to judge you for it. It's all in good fun. All right, first one is favorite pairing food and wine. My husband's
2: homemade fried chicken tatsutage with sparkling rosé.
1: Hmm. Mm. Sounds good. If wine was not what you were drinking, what would be in your cup? Coffee. Absolutely, it's one of the two. It's not water. It's
2: coffee. And do you have any pets in the house? Yes, I have a corgi and an orange cat, and they're best friends.
0: That's unique and special. Um, What would be their favorite wine if they could drink it?
2: Okay, we've actually talked about this. My husband, no joke. Okay, we've actually said, you know, what personality-wise. I think my cat is definitely more of a, a pet nat. He's kind of like funky and quirky and whatever. And then my corgi, he would be like, I'm going to drink something that everyone likes. So whatever anybody
1: else is drinking, I'll order that. That's <laughs> what he would do.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: And for you, what are your top three wines? And then what does that say about you?
2: I don't think I could name specific wines, but I will say regions that have my heart. Does that count? Sure, okay. we'll take that. Regions that have my heart, like I said, Rhone Valley, Virginia, and Burgundy.
0: What does that say about you in those regions?
2: I think it's memories and people that I love. I am a huge proponent of wine that comes from people that are now my friends, that now are doing really cool things. So I'd throw Sonoma in there too if you gave me a fourth, because it's the people that I've met through travels to their places And those places then come to life every time I drink those wines. So
0: I've met a lot of really cool people from those places. I love it. Uh, Let's do a word association. A sommelier pairs well with blank. Friends.
1: What's something that most people get wrong about being a somm?
0: Being a somm,
2: again, to me, I've never worked in a restaurant. So I've never considered myself a sommelier. But now I think that the term is changing in terms of how people see the role in the industry and where they can work and what they do. And do you talk about wine in a good way or do you talk about wine in a way that helps people explore and buy cool wines? Then maybe you are. But I think that people forget that it's about meeting the needs of the customer. It's always about helping them drink what they like, not what you like.
0: Good point. Tell us what you're known for on the Tell Us All map. I think the most
2: popular class I do is the small producers of Sonoma. I think people are interested in that region and they want to drink something totally under the radar, new little gems. That's probably my my most popular class.
1: And you mentioned, you know, we talked about price and you said you get asked that question a lot, but um, are there other things that the customers ask you about, you know, other frequently like FAQs?
2: Absolutely. That's my favorite part about hopping on these Zoom calls to people and doing these classes is that, yes, I have a structured format that I present and information I want to pass along, but it offers for interaction of, you know, I always thought that this was X, Y, Z. So a lot of the time I'm dispelling myths about wine and the wine industry. That is a big thing. I'll get, you know, I heard that one time, blah, 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 and like, I can't even think of specific things, but a lot of time I'm like, oh no, I mean, that's interesting, but here's the fact. So I think I'm oftentimes helping people discover where they can get accurate information about wine on the internet.
0: Part of that, you're also a fellow podcaster. You've had a few seasons of A Cork in the Road. What have you learned about talking about wine on a podcast that has expanded your own wine knowledge?
2: Oh, you guys, that's been the most incredible journey for me because I knew nothing about sound or production of podcasts. I don't even know how you launch one. But it started because I met so many incredible people in Atlanta, specifically in Atlanta, that were doing amazing things for wine. And I looked around and I saw all these social media things or podcasts, and they really never talked about the Southeast or Atlanta. And I wanted to shed a light on what was happening here in terms of wine education. So I have learned all the different ways that people can get into wine. I think that's the coolest part about my podcast is why are you in Atlanta? Why are you staying in the Southeast? And how the heck did you end up loving wine? And it's been so inspiring to say at any point in your life, anywhere you come from, previous training, previous professional career, you may find yourself in wine. And it's been really
1: inspiring and it's like encouraging to hear that from the people on my podcast. If I'm a customer and I book with you on the app, what are some things I can expect out of a wine tasting with you or things that you want to share with our listeners about why they might want to book a tasting with you?
2: I think the online wine tasting world, which now exists, which is crazy to say, I think that it is not all created equal. I say this from listening to customers who have been on other tastings, and what I do from that is I build my classes to be unexpectedly interactive and conversational. Mm. A lot of us have spent most of the past year online behind our desks. Even for me, from 8 to 5, I'm on Zoom calls, I'm on webinars, and there's no back and forth. So I've designed all of my classes to be extremely interactive and customized so that even if you're on a work call all day, you hop onto the wine tasting and it you get something out of it too. And that is a big piece. It's a two-way communication tool that I don't think a lot of people expect, but they end up leaving like, I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun. And now I feel like I'm empowered to go and talk more about
1: wine. That's
2: the goal. That's what we do.
0: Sounds delightful.
1: Now, the only other question that came to mind as we were talking is how do you keep fruit flies out of your wine glass? (laughs) I was like circling my glass of wine.
2: So napkins work. Napkins are great. Uh, you can buy a lot of different little cute little trinkets online. We actually, at my at my wine tasting, the, at the winery in the wine tasting room, we sold these little like things that were plastic on the outside and had mesh on the top and they were like little covers. If you want to be fancy, you can do that. But napkins work. That's cool. You can put those on top.
0: They just like to be part of that wine experience. But a single fruit fly can't ruin everyone's wine. Patrice, you'll be okay.
2: I always said that if the flies are here, they know what's good. And we had a lot of flies at the winery. If you go into a winery and there's no flies, you want to start questioning if they even make wine there. That would be a question I would raise. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, I did have one other question. I don't, I don't think we covered this. So when you do a wine tasting, how do people get the wine? Like, Do, oh, they, been, do you oh. send them a list and they go to the store and buy something comparable or do you ship it to them? This is
2: my favorite slash least favorite part of coordinating. I'm I'm really big on logistics and planning and like probably in a previous life could have been a wedding planner, like whatever. I love planning and coordinating. So it's challenging, but it is the best part is getting people to as much as possible connect with the same wines in multiple time zones, multiple locations. So I have a couple different ways that I do this. When people book with me, I ask if they would prefer to buy locally or if they are okay with direct-to-consumer shipping. And then I use that information to easily decide, okay, well, then everybody can just buy and ship from a winery directly all over the country. That's fine. But if they pick locally, then for me, I've actually started to have my own context in lots of cities where I know local wine shops or I'll Google and I'll say, okay, you're in this area, you're in this part of Texas. I'll look at what wine shop is near you and I'll set up the order for you and then you can go. And I've had a lot of people, I've met people in Florida, in Texas, in Boston, like these wine shops that I never would have talked to but I call and I say, Hey, I'm calling on behalf of a client. What you got? Cause I'm ready to put an order in for them. And so it's been really interesting to, to connect with local shops all over the country in a really unique way.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Well, thank you so much, Kelly.
1: Thanks for yeah, having me. Bad. This has been fun y'all.
0: Listening to an Invino Fab and on production, The Smallest Stories, Uncorking Wine Tales. If you liked this episode, tell a friend to subscribe and leave us a rating review in Apple Podcasts.
1: on brings the psalm to you. Check us out online at telesom.app or on Instagram at telesom.app. We can't wait to meet you.